Hi, I'm Will Wheaton from the TV Crimes Podcast, Radio Free Burrito, and some TV shows, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. that we don't like um we don't think like to let the writer know you know mm-hmm. like we we just think like oh that was a bad choice buying that book yeah you know, like, i think there's more like it, it there's a sense of like personal responsibility for the transaction like well the, you know like the flap looked like it would be something better here are your hosts jamie green and justin connors this is the great big beautiful podcast you find us on facebook at the GBB Podcast and Twitter at the GBB Podcast and in any podcast catcher app thing that you can find. <laughs> I don't so know where techni- you find it. So technical. Geekdad.com. Is that as I successfully plug everything? I don't yeah, know. Pretty, almost. YouTube. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we need to do that. But so, how's it going today, guys? Uh, it's going well. It's going well, Justin. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And we have a special guest today. Again, another special guest. And this time, our special guest's name is Anthony. Welcome, Anthony. It's good to be back. I, I was just going to say, Justin, uh, you're, mm. you're going like, to go to everybody's heads. You're calling everybody special. And I don't know if they are all truly special, though. <laughs> They're special to me, okay? They're okay. Special to me. All right. <laughs> so you, Anthony and Jamie, you guys did an interview this week with Chelsea Kane. And why don't you tell us a little bit about the conversation? You know, how did it go? Was she mean? Was she nice? You know, all the details, the juicy details. Justin, ask me about my feminist agenda. Okay, I need to know about your feminist agenda, Jamie. I need to know. So the deal is um, Chelsea Kane kind of, how would you say, Justin? Like she she caused a little, it wasn't even really her, which is, which is the frustrating part, but she was, so she was writing Mockingbird for Marvel. Okay. Um, so she, she's a novelist. She's been around, um, for a while. She's written, you know, eight to 10 books. She writes thrillers primarily. Um, and then, so she ended up working for Marvel and she was writing Mockingbird. Um, and, uh, it was, a. It was a fun story, off you know, different than many of their other books. Really, um, just solid storytelling. Unfortunately, it didn't grab the audience that Marvel wanted it to grab, and it was canceled after the third issue. Um, Though, to their credit, they gave her eight issues to sort of round out the story and treat it more like a, a a limited run series rather than an ongoing. So at least she got to wrap up the story in a sense. Um, But the cover of issue eight is what caused um, the hubbub. And it was uh, <laughs> full 
full cover paid picture of Mockingbird wearing a t-shirt that says, ask me about my feminist agenda. And all the fanboys and Twitter trolls exploded in nerdy oh, rage. Because no. we can't have women doing good stuff, you, apparently. Here, here's what, bo- it, what bothers me about it is that of all people, guys and men in the geek world, you think that we would have a handle on this, and and you know, we, as when a lot of us were younger, we would be would been marginalized and whatever for what we like, and you think that we would have kind of a handle on this, and not, you know, that wouldn't exist within the community, and it just goes to show that it goes beyond a certain community. This is a human, you know, this is a human uh, problem. It's not just set so, in yeah one area. You right? you would <laughs> think you would think that would be the case, and so here's what I. Th- think is going on and this is this is nothing revolutionary you know other people have said this and i'm not defending the behavior by any stretch of the imagination but what i think is what happening now is that you know these dudes who have been marginalized their whole life you know made to feel like losers because of the things that they loved and they liked and the kinds of books that they read or the movies that they watched that was their quote-unquote safe space you know comics were their thing that was what they used to escape and that was what they were made fun of for liking um and now that they see other people coming in people maybe who they equate with the same type of people who mm-hmm. would make fun of them or would do the marginalizing um they can't accept that those people can genuinely like the same right. stuff so i was made fun of my whole life for reading comic books and now these women Girls who would never talk to me when I was younger. <laughs> girls are now reading comic books. That's not right. So, and then they they lash out at that, and um, I think that's what's happening on a you know, and obviously social media makes it worse. And that's what's happening on the, on a grand scale. And it sucks. It's awful. It's stupid. I wish people weren't like that. Um, but I think that's where it's coming from, unfortunately. So, geeks of the world, men, listen, just j- be happy that what you like is cool now. Just chill out. <laughs> what what we like is cool now. It's mainstream, and people do not think that we are weird for liking it. So just chill. Let let the women in. Who cares? That's right. And not everybody <laughs> has to like the same thing or not like the same thing. You don't have to agree with everybody, but let people like what they like and don't question their motives. My God. Oh, and this is exactly when we had Will Wheaton on. He talked about this a little bit as well. Yeah. So if you want to be, if you want to brush up on that episode, you can go find it in our back catalog. Plug. <laughs> go go listen back to the Will Wheaton episode. He talks about it. Um, yeah. So that is, did that dominate your conversation about the? But this was well. It, it, we 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 start off a little bit about right. that. I mean, we talk about Mockingbird. We talk about because mm-hmm. she came from a place of of being a novelist. So she, you know, being a novelist and writing comic books is a little bit different. So we talked about how she made that transition. Um, we talk about what's coming up next for her. She was on the Joko cruise, which I've mentioned before I was there. Um, but so she was there and she kind of dropped, um, more than a hint. She said what she, what the next book that she would be writing for Marvel would be. Um, and so we asked her about that and she, she owns up to it. She, she says what it is. It's not a secret, but she doesn't know if that's really happening. So we talk a little bit about that. Um, we talk a little bit. Anthony, jump in at any point. I mean, we what talk really about. What really struck me was um, was how her process uh, evolved when you know it was she was coming from a novelist background, and it wasn't just that um, you know she had to write a script. She had to 
write a script and, you know, have a whole scene down so that, you know, her artist could take it and turn it into pictures. And then there was a back and forth with, you know, you know, was that what was in her head? You know, so it was a whole new experience for her, um, which I, I thought was really cool. Uh, there was even a language barrier uh, at the beginning there. Yeah, but the other thing, and you kind of touched on it, the other thing that I thought was really interesting is that not only was this her first comic book to write, it was the artist's first comic book to draw. So Marvel took like a big risk by putting this book in their hands because neither one of them had really any sort of experience in the, in the medium or the industry before. Awesome. So we're going to go play that interview for you right now. Hope you enjoy Chelsea, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, it's, it's a thrill, actually, to have you here. So thank you so much for agreeing to do this. And I, I guess we should start by saying congratulations on the Eisner nominations. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> this is my first, this is the first interview I've given as an, as an Eisner-nominated Wow. I feel a little bit, uh, that now I feel like I'm put on the spot. Like, it's got to be... You know, it's a big deal, you guys. It is a big deal. <laughs> How did that suddenly get turned on to us? I don't, I'm not really sure. But. <laughs> did you have any uh, advance notice or did you just find out with the rest of us? I found it a couple days ago. Yeah. Um, did- I, I got an email from uh, Tom Brevoort at Marvel, who's mm-hmm. like my was my Uber editor on that project. Um, he sent an email to me and to uh, Kate. Um, uh and like, but I didn't know when it was going to be announced, you know. So I've been, I've been like just sitting at home, like refreshing, like the eyes page for <laughs> several days. So it was really such a relief because I couldn't tell anybody. Right. Um, so it was, it was a, a huge relief when suddenly it happened. Yeah. Um, are Are you gonna go to the dinner and ceremony? It's in San Diego, right? Yeah, I, I, um, I hope so. I have, you know, of course, there's a huge family wedding. Uh, the next day, of and course. I, I, like, I will have house guests and stuff, but like, how at the same time, how could I not? Yeah, like, I feel like, uh, yeah, it's such an opportunity. Um, yeah. so I think that, yeah, we'll fly down just for the night. Yeah, that's exciting. That's exciting. So, yeah, congratulations. I saw that and I was just thrilled, thrilled to see your name there. So, that was, uh, and I, I know a lot of other people were as well. So, it, you among them, I'm sure, I guess, you probably caught a little bit of a thrill. Um, yes. But- <laughs> yes. A little bit of a thrill. <laughs> um, so, Mockingbird, as long as we're talking about it, it had a short run, relatively speaking. Um, I'm wondering, though, what stories did you have still in reserve, like in your hip pocket that you wanted to tell but that were left untold? Or, you know, what directions might have you explored if you had a few more issues to play with? Um, you know, like I wrote a whole document that, like, there's actually issues outlined. Um, uh, so, you know, like I could be really specific, um, <laughs> cause I, uh, I had like, how many did I have outlined? Uh, I guess the first, the first several arcs. Um, mm-hmm. and then I, uh, like they canceled it, um, uh, after the third issue, actually, like they let me have eight right, to kind of wrap it up, but they knew, um, after the third issue, somebody had done the math, you know, where they sort of like assume, uh, a drop in orders every right. issue and they kind of figure out then where it should sunset. Right. Um, and, and they had, so like at three, they were like, Oh, I think, you know, you can maybe get 10 issues. Like, and then it, it got cut back to eight. Um, mm. uh, but I knew like 
after the third issue um uh when i was you know like just kind of finishing up writing the fourth issue um that uh it was going to be a lot shorter than i thought and so like i changed uh i kind of changed direction at that point yeah. um in terms of the, the larger arcs that i had planned to pursue um because i wanted you know like i, I really wanted to do the nerd cruise thing <laughs> <laughs> uh and i really wanted um you know, I, I knew where I wanted to, to get her. And yeah. uh, it, was, it was nice. Frankly, um, uh, it would have been, I think, a lot more devastating if they had just been like, you know, just cut me off. But the fact that they allowed me to kind of just plan, you know, what was essentially then a miniseries yeah. um, was, was good. Though the, there was certainly lots that was set up in the early issues that never got paid off because uh, sure. the issues I planned to write didn't happen. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's... Was she always... Oh, I'm sorry, Jamie. No, go ahead. Uh, we're... Was she always going to end up in that cabin in the woods? <laughs> um, yeah, like metaphorically, yes. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, it just seemed like the perfect win. Like I, like I wanted her to win, right? Uh, yeah. Which means that she she gets everything she wants. Um, and like I always, I always really wanted to play. Um, with the just the the, the Hunter Barton dynamic, mm-hmm. um, and uh, if I'd written more issues, I would have done more of that. Um, uh, but I re- I really like the idea that uh, you know they both kind of um, serve different purposes to her, and uh, uh, and you know really like they're different. they're kind of ultimately they're ultimately like okay with that. Um, one of the things I really liked about Bobby was just that she. Um, was really like she didn't doesn't question she doesn't question the way she moves through the world, <laughs> you know. Like she's completely confident in her choices, um, and uh, and she makes it work. So yeah, I, uh, I circling back to what you said about you know Marvel giving you those those extra issues, even though they knew it was going to be canceled, they gave you the extra issues to wrap it up. Um, you mentioned the euphemism, the sunsetting euphemism. It's this is a terrible euphemism, I think, because it sounds so nice. They're like, oh, we're gonna sunset this, and it sounds so nice on the surface, but you know, it really just means like we're gonna we're canceling it. And it's yeah. the 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 business jargon is always you know in different industries have different jargon, but like that one in particular for some reason, I think is just it kind of like it's like twisting the knife a little bit. I think because it sounds so nice. No, I didn't even. <laughs> I didn't even understand <laughs> when they mentioned that they were sunsetting the series. I like didn't like just yeah like you know okay well I'm planning those next issues. They're like um <laughs> no like, <laughs> sunsetting you know and I was like what <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> me tequila. That we need to be so, on a beach at some point. And... <laughs> sure sure sunset it whatever you guys want that's more of a colorist issue but okay so how many of those issues are going to deal with mer corgis (laughs) i um was pretty proud of myself when i came up with mer corgis i was i was actually in bed and i was like just thinking about that issue and uh uh you know just like cool underwater stuff and corgis and I thought oh mer corgis and um I thought like I must be like clearly the only one in the world right 
who has thought of Mercorgy Corgi. So I reach for my phone, my bedside table, and I Google Mercorgies. <laughs> and like there was this one like result that came up, this artist who had done like all of these pictures of Mercorgies that you could buy, like for mugs or t-shirts, or posters. No. And I really felt like, wow, like I'm not alone in the universe. You know, there are two of us <laughs> who are like thinking about Mercorgies. Uh, and I found it really comforting somehow. Uh, and actually I sent Kate um, uh, the image just as inspiration. Um, uh, Cause I just thought, I thought it was just the best, you know, with their funny little, uh, like just the fact that like Mercorgies would wear little tops. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> so you could have a whole spinoff series now. I think so, just with corgis in general. Yeah. I'm all for it. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's 616 canon, so I don't see why we can't bring them back. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I have to say, like, speaking of the this, this Swiss chalet threesome, um, I was amazed at what they let me get away with. Like, that in particular. I think that they were just like, fuck it, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> just let her do whatever. Give the baby your bottle. <laughs> But uh, it really is, like, it is remarkable. Um, there are many, you know, panels that, you know, I figured somebody would, uh, like, common sense would prevail. And occasionally it did, but mostly it didn't. <laughs> their That's their business model, right? We, we occasionally let common sense prevail. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned the art. You mentioned Kate. Um Obviously, I mean, you come from a novelist background. You come from, you know, the solitary act of writing. So, I mean, from, from a creative perspective, was it challenging to suddenly start working hand-in-hand hand with an artist and you know, to be, who would be bringing your words to life and, and to sort of be working together as a team on, on a comic in, in this graphic format? Yeah, like, it was, and it was also one of the reasons I wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, because I'm kind of going crazy here in my hot pink office <laughs> by myself <laughs> all day. Because um, uh, I do, like, I, yeah, I sit alone in a room most of the year, um, uh, which sounds like I've been sentenced to something. <laughs> um, and I, 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 the creative collaboration was uh, really appealing to me. Um, because I know a lot of people who make comics. And uh, so like I talked to them about the process and a lot of people who do different things and the idea of um, you know everybody coming together and bringing kind of their best ideas and their uh, the way that you can elevate each other, um, mm -hmm. I thought sounded great. I thought it sounded like as somebody who world builds, you know, for a living, I write series thrillers. So there's a lot of world building and then a lot of living in the universe I've made. Mm -hmm. The idea of working in someone else's universe sounded easy, <laughs> but I like that. Um, but it was it was uh, definitely uh, a a skill building exercise to have to to write a script um, for an artist. Um, just the kind of translation of picture to words, right. and then back again, right? To like learn how to de describe an image that I was seeing um, so specifically just developing that language was hard and kate like kate's in poland you know it's a nine hour time difference mm -hmm. um but you know being an artist she never sleeps so she, <laughs> she was always available luckily um uh, but uh it's not like we could sit in a room together yeah. uh, so it was a lot a lot of back and forth 
um, and we like we like literally would write. I learned in uh, the first couple issues of Mockingbird that when you get it in an email chain on Gmail that hits a hundred, yeah. a new one. So did you? Know that? I had no idea. <laughs> yes, yes. It just ends and starts a new one. It's like you're done. <laughs> there is nothing more that can be said. It's like Google keeping you keeping you on a short leash. Like this is this has gone on for way too long. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. So, but you know that back and forth, I'm sure, changed a lot of your your conception of what you originally probably thought the story was going to be. But I mean, visually, obviously, because that was her. That was what she was bringing to the table. But you know, from when you first set out and you said, "Okay, this is the story that I want to tell," did that back and forth, that collaboration, change that? that story for you at all or did it did, did you still ultimately tell the story that you set out to tell but he just had her great images to go along with it yeah like well the sense that i um kind of like i learned to uh write to her skills mm-hmm. you know like i learned to um uh give her space to do the things that you know she enjoyed doing and that i thought that she did well and i learned to uh avoid it's it's interesting because like i learned to avoid some of this stuff that um she didn't like doing um and i did that for maybe an issue or two and then i i uh started like reincorporating the things that she didn't (laughs) like doing and she just like nailed them like she you know like it's it's interesting i think because what we you know what maybe we think we don't do well or we think we struggle with is sometimes um, the stuff that actually is our best work. Right. Um, Kate d- d- doesn't really like doing splash pages. She doesn't. She she much prefers lots of small panels. Okay. Um, and uh, um, and so like you know she wanted to avoid like larger panels. Um, but whenever like I would give her a a, a big panel, um, she would just knock it out of the park. Um, and then all the kind of like weird, like it, it's always a challenge in Kate's first English, like her first language is in English. She speaks like, I've never talked to her on the phone, but she like her English is very, very good, but she right. still has to translate. Right. Sure. Um, which is another, uh, um, challenge in, in like writing a script, right. Already trying to break down, uh, and like picture language into words and then back again, but also to choose words, um, that, you know, that translate pretty immediately mm-hmm. um, and will create confusion. And so it, it was hard when I um, would throw in just, you know, some kind of crazy uh, visual, you know, whether it was, um, you know, drawing pictures of knots or like uh, rooms from above or, you know, anything that um, uh, created a new kind of language we had to, we had to work out in order to describe the image. Um, but, you know, that, that took more work, I think, for both of us. Um, but those are my favorite bits, you know, like she was always like, she's so good at that. Uh, and I, like, I think like the first Mockingbird, um, was her very first comic, right? She'd never done, never done a comic before. Um, and I hadn't either, like I'd done the Mockingbird one shot, you know? So (laughs) the two of us were just totally just figuring it out. Um, and I think in some ways, uh, you know, we still both have a lot to learn. Um, and yet because we were both so new, um, we didn't know enough to kind of tell each other not to do things. <laughs> in a way. Um, but at least made, made some, we made some interesting mistakes in a good way. 
Yeah. That's interesting. I, I had no idea that it was her first um, her first book. I mean, that that really puts it into perspective from, I guess, Marvel's point of view, like the, the, the risk that they were taking and like the bold decision that they made by putting you both on that book. Yeah. 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 It's just a shame, I, we could, shame we couldn't I see more of it. thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was what made uh, that first issue of Mockingbird especially so engaging is that, um, you know, picking it up and, and flipping it, it's like, flipping through the first couple of pages, it's like, this is not, this isn't Marvel standard. And that's a good thing. (laughs) And I loved it, though, because so often I feel like Marvel gets into this rut with their stories. Um, And it was wonderful that, you know, Mockingbird felt like a story that belonged in the universe, but wasn't just the same kind of, oh, she's an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're going to do this type of story now. Um, And, yeah, that, that was, I think that was really um what drew me to it what made it such a great series oh good thank you i mean i think you know it's one of the reasons why we need um why there's a real value in having different voices in comics right sure um it's just that uh because it is so easy especially because they um they're making so many comics you know like marvel and dc like they're they're just bare like it's like they're just like in a room full of just like they're drowning it and just trying to like tread water and get a gasp of air before they go under um because they're having to like produce so much mm-hmm. uh and i think you know in that kind of environment um uh it can it can lead to just like yeah trying to like do the thing you know works yeah. you know well enough um uh and you know there were there were plenty of times when um you know i would get uh feedback that um, just reflexively, um, just like, you know, if you do this, no, you need to do this. And you, you know, you, like, you can't, you can't really do that. That's not how we do it. Um, but, uh, and then they would get busy with another comic and forget <laughs> about it and they would slip through. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, it's that tendency to fall back on what, you know, works, you know, what, or at least has worked in the past and what, you know, sells. And, but that then leads to having 40 books a month that are nearly indistinguishable from one another. You know, I mean, yeah. when you would get notes like that, that would try to steer you more toward the middle course or the mainstream, you know, if, you know, luckily you said that they got distracted and you could sneak it through anyway. But I mean, did that make you, did that make you want to listen to it less? Because you're like, no, this, you know, you got, you hired me for a reason. This is the voice that I'm bringing to this book and this character. And I'm going to, I'm going to go with my gut with what works because even just because it's different doesn't mean that it's wrong. Um... Yeah, like, I don't know that I ever felt that confident. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Fair. (laughs) Yeah, because, uh, you know, like, I I think I, during, like, the first issue, um, I decided, like, to be all in, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I thought, like, I'm probably only going to get this one, like, chance, right, to to do this, to, to do a comic for Marvel. And, um if I'm going to do it, like I want it, you know, yeah, to, to be uh, something that I'm proud of and that feels unique to me. And I want to bring, um, I want to bring aspects to it that, uh, only I can bring. Right. And, um, I want it to be a book that, uh, my 12 year old daughter is going to love. And, um, 
yeah, like, you know, like I just committed, I guess, to making mistakes. Sure. Um, and that, and that being okay. So like, which is different than being confident. <laughs> yeah. But that, you know, being comfortable with making mistakes is a, is a very strong feeling of confidence, I think, you know, knowing that, okay, I'm going to mess up or I'm going to make a mistake, but that's okay because we're going to learn and we're going to make it through this. I think that's confidence. Well, you know, like the team was so good. And one of the things that I always said, um, to, to everybody, um, uh, was, uh, like with, with Rochelle Rosenberg, our colorist, um, you know, I said like, you know, anything that you've ever wanted to do, like, in a book, coloring wise, like any anytime you did something and thought like, no, that won't work, or anytime somebody said like you can't do that in comics, or you had an idea and then decided that it was too risky, like this is your chance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like do do all of those. Like take you know take take risks. Like I, I'm I'm great. Like you know anything you want to do um, is you know like this is your chance to uh, you know, to throw it out there. Um, mm. And she did, you know, just like amazing stuff. And like one, of, I think, perhaps like everybody who worked on Mockingbird, um, I th- like spent way too much time on it. <laughs> like it was a book that took it took Joe the letterer like twice as much time, right, to letter an issue of Mockingbird as any of the other issues that he was doing. Why? Um, you know, it's Rochelle, because there's just a ton of environmental text, okay. right? There's just lots of little, like, you know, jokes. There's me, like, I have a very specific idea mm-hmm. of, um, you know, of what I want it to look like, yeah, like everything about it. Um, and, you know, like even even text and, and, uh, and you know, like I would send references for different, you know, for, for different like kind of text choices and um and then sometimes you know those wouldn't get passed along to him and um and we would just have to kind of go back and forth um uh, and you know just like uh the the jokes that would come late like once um once the panel was you know like finally like you know inked and beautiful and uh we would have to like do another pass to throw in a lot more environmental text because yeah. I would see opportunities for it, mm-hmm. um, which would mean then that he would have to, you know, go back and, and make additions. Um, uh, and like, you know, he's a, a great supporter of the book. Like all of those people were, which is I think one of the reasons why they were willing to spend so much time. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just like, it's this little book that never did very well. Right. Um, certainly was a lot, uh, wasn't as high profile as, you know, many of the other like, issues that these people were working on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I like to think that this was a book that they, you know, when they had had a glass of wine at the end of the night <laughs> <laughs> and had a couple hours, that this is one that they would spend time, a little extra time with yeah. because it was just so fucking kooky um, <laughs> that, uh, that they were charmed. And I think um, they couldn't believe, you know, like, some of what I was, you know, what we, what we were doing on the page. Um, uh, but, uh, I, it's, I don't know. It's, it's what makes it special to me sure. um, when I look at an issue is that, yeah, all of those people, um, uh, kind of brought their, you know, their, their a game after hours. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask the, what, what made you, uh, I guess set the, bring the book to the Joko cruise during those last few issues, even though you had never been there, never been on it. 
Um, I have lots of friends who go. Yeah. You know, and had gone like for years, right? I've been hearing about it, and um, uh, my Google nerd friends have gone. And then uh, last year, like a bunch of like really, you know, close people went mm-hmm. um, and came back and had all of these stories and uh, a stuffed dolphin with a fez. <laughs> <laughs> all the different dice and i was like oh man that sounds so great um and at the time i was uh uh just you know finishing up outlining um those three issues and i thought like i like i knew i wanted it to be on a cruise um Mm -hmm. but i was like oh god like that would be so great like to have it be on the joko cruise on the nerd cruise because it just uh it sets up um you know obviously so many so many jokes Mm -hmm. it just seemed really fun um and i also like so like i i i did that and it uh it was tricky like marvel um uh like they they really um you know obviously worry about uh litigation sure and so (laughs) having likenesses because once i once i decided i wanted to do it on the nerd cruise i really wanted to have people um Mm -hmm. from the nerd cruise actually appear in the comic uh which is problematic because it's asking again a lot of Kate, who now suddenly has to do likenesses, right? Which is how much she's like she was. She was a good sport. Um, and then I also had to get uh, I had to get um, releases from all of these people. Like wow, yeah. And the, the, the I don't know if you've seen the Marvel likeness release. No, you no, I haven't. Buy- I'm sure it's out there um, and post it because it's hysterical. It's a single page and it, it's like I release like all rights to my image and, and uh, likeness and voice across the across the universe in perpetuity <laughs> in any media invented or any media to be invented. Like you <laughs> sign it all over forever. Wow. You know, in order to appear in a comic book. And some of the people I wanted to use are like actual entertainers who like might not want to sign over like, right. <laughs> uh, and I was yeah I was amazed like when people did it yeah um, so when Marvel gets their cloning program going they're all set <laughs> oh yeah people, like somebody at Marvel could like write a comic book right about you know the double clicks tomorrow <laughs> and it's you know Disney too so they can become a theme park attraction and not see a dime yeah the Paul and Storm roller coaster <laughs> <laughs> That'd be perfect. It's so great. <laughs> oh. um, so, and then I got invited, as you know, like I got invited um, to actually uh, participate in the Nerd Cruise, and that was like, really, it was that, like the Eisner. That's <laughs> that's pretty great. But getting invited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't, I oh. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's it's it was, that was quite an achievement. So congratulations for that as well. Thank Eisner Schmeisner. <laughs> um, while you were there, though, you uh, you hinted at a possible next project for Marvel. I was wondering if you could officially or unofficially talk about that. Yeah, you know, I don't know if that's gonna happen. <gasps> like we, oh. my, we, I've been talking to Marvel like for months about um, doing a Vision comic. Um, uh, after, you know, Tom King left and yeah. his fantastic uh, series um, came to an end. 
they wanted, you know, to do something else um, and explore Vision and and his daughter Viv, mm-hmm. um, and you know that seemed like really cool. And uh, my husband and I came up with an idea. And the thing about like comics is that um, as as like a an industry, like uh, the, like the the publication schedule doesn't take into account. Um, the schedules of the <laughs> of, like, creators, right? Like, they're like just filling in gaps and like putting out books, and there's an algorithm that, like, I, you know, I swear, like they have this just huge mainframe somewhere, like the size of the size of a dining room. But it's, it's not just, based like, in reality, stuff. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, like so, comics. You know, that we sort of set up to have a you know an issue, like to do several issues of a comic, and then. Uh, they'll change it and it'll be six months later or you know a year later or they'll change characters where it's like you know we really want you to do this this comic and they'll sort of pitch it to me and then uh, we'll be talking about it and i'll come up with an idea and, and like start writing a script and then they'll say actually this is great but can you use this character instead mm-hmm. uh, which is like to, you know i'm not great at that because what i'm interested in is character as opposed to just i guess living in the universe mm-hmm. um uh, and that has, that has thwarted a couple of projects that like I thought I might do, but then there were just kind of these uh, changes in direction that made them less interesting to me. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so like hopefully you know something will line up. Yeah. But maybe not. Maybe, I don't know. maybe not. <laughs> it, it would. I, I've been because Vision and Mockingbird, at least with Marvel Unlimited, uh, I'm, I'm perpetually six months behind because I <laughs> read all my comics through that. But they both just ended like recently uh, on Marvel Unlimited. And uh, my mind just got swirling as soon as is seeing how they both wrapped up. Um, the thing that struck me with, with, uh, with Vision was how it was morphing into a different book at the end. Um, mm-hmm. With Viv taking, you know, a much more, not authoritative, but you know, finding her own place, finding her own role, mm-hmm. um, and I, I have to say, it excited the hell out of me to think of you taking on, you know, somebody just at the cusp of discovering who they really are. Um, so I, I hope we get to see that at some point. <laughs> me too. Me too. We'll see. Were, uh, were you a comic reader when you were growing up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I was, um, you know, like, I came and went from comics mm-hmm. the way that I think, uh, like, I, I'm I'm a casual comic book fan, which uh, I think is unusual because I think people, <laughs> like, tend to be, like, my husband is a, is a collector. Okay. Um, he's got 40 long boxes. Oh, my does. gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, he, you know, like, it, but I will read a comic and not like bag and board it when I'm done. Like yeah. I just put it on the bedside table, which is he's just like, oh, it just <laughs> kills him. Um, and so like that is like I, I would you know define the difference that way. Like I get into titles and I I um, get super into a title. Yeah. Um, for, like Mark, you know, for a long time got every single Marvel title. Wow. Um, uh, so like yeah, as a kid, I was you know into comics. I went I went in middle school. Um, uh, I got really into like the you know the old X Men comics that my cousin Jason would feed me. Um, so the whole uh, you know kind of Chris Claremont 
era. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, and yeah, Alpha Flight and Teen Titans and all of those books. And then um, I, you know, like drifted away in high school um, and then, you know, like read in college kind of, you know, this sort of, you know, Sandman and Watchmen, sure. like all of those. Um, uh, and then uh, once uh, Mark and I got together in my 20s, I started, and I, like, I, I read a lot of fanographics like okay. in my 20s. It's just sort of like all just very like era appropriate, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but all um, good stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I got yeah, really into alternative comics and then, uh, and then kind of came back to superhero comics um, with Alias. Um, oh, uh, yeah. when Bendis did Alien, which I read uh, as it came out, you know, in issues. And, like, that um, is still one of my favorite books, period. You know, like, books for, you know, like, including novels. Like, it's one of, the, I think it's just so good. Um, and and then, uh, you know, I read, um, like, the ultimate Daredevil and Spider-Man, all the stuff that he was doing mm-hmm. um, that felt like, oh yeah like this is why i used to love superhero comics and like it was so good and felt um like it had such a strong voice right uh and then yeah and then kind of came back to it um through through him yeah Hmm. yeah Um, i had a similar path back to comics with uh you know with bendis um mm -hmm. almost the exact same thing actually it was because i think the alias was just so striking seeing it on the shelves and it's like well let's check that out and see what that is and then the story was so unlike anything that we had grown up with with you know the even the claremont stuff where it was oh, yeah um, you know, it was very much a adolescent boy fantasy so much of of the 80s and 90s comics um mm-hmm. and alias was just nothing like that um which was wonderful to see um yeah. It's incredible, you know, like, I don't know how he did it because I still, I will go back and read that. And it's such, it's such a, like, I really believe in her point of view. (laughs) You know, like, I really believe that, um, you know, we are with her and, you know, seeing the world through, you know, her experience um, in a way that just feels so, like, almost terrifyingly fresh. Like, it was almost just like, actually shocking it felt like i shouldn't be reading this like <laughs> oh in the way that he used the universe um uh, uh yeah like just yeah the way that he um, used other heroes and uh and treated them um uh like just with this kind of like just, uh, in a way that like i loved that alias was rewarded those of us who did like read the old Claremont books, you know what I mean? There were these wonderful moments where like, if you knew the backstory, yeah. um, it landed in a way that was especially satisfying. Yeah. Um, uh, but you didn't need, you didn't need to know it in order to just enjoy the story. Um, it's good. He was really, he's not bad. That one. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he might be going somewhere. Fast. <laughs> keep an eye, keep yeah. an eye on him. Marvel should use him more really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll bring that up. <laughs> I found some. I found a fresh face. <laughs> um, I, I, I wanted to ask you something that's probably, probably well trodden at this point. And you're probably tired of talking about it, but in the heat of the Mockingbird quote unquote controversy, um, you left Twitter. 
I, it cause ripples and, and whatever. The story is out there. But anybody who uses Twitter knows that they obviously haven't solved the abuse problem. But you're back. And so I'm wondering, how has your approach to that platform and engaging and interacting with fans changed to make it more palatable for you? Um, well, I, I came back um, during the... Because we, uh, my daughter and husband and I uh, went to the March on Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, really wanted to be able to tweet about it. You okay. know, like I felt like this was this... Like I was participating on behalf of people and I wanted to share the experience and I thought that was important politically um, to show people that I was there Mm -hmm. uh, even if it was scary and um, uh, my daughter and I my our 12 year old like we let her start an account too um, that was like called girl marching it was just going to be like you know just for the weekend she was going to have this account my husband thought it was crazy it was like have you not like do you not remember (laughs) you don't remember <laughs> I was like, it's just for the weekend, and I like I sounded like you know like people who like don't smoke for ten years. And yeah, like, just, just one more, just one more behind the stage. Yeah, just one <laughs> smoke this weekend. <laughs> uh, and what the thing that immediately happened is like I took a picture of Eliza in um, the "Ask Me About My Feminist Agenda" T-shirt, like on her way, you know, to march on Washington, like in the airport, and I t- and I tagged her new little account, right. And uh, the very first person um, who posted uh, on her her brand new little Twitter page mm-hmm. uh, was one of my fans who mm-hmm. um, uh, who uh, said she would make a good feminist because her chest was so flat. Oh Jesus! Yeah, it's twelve year old. Twelve. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah, the very first. Welcome to Twitter. <laughs> so he was like, "Yeah, so Eliza, you you're off." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, you know, and I was like, God, like, it's just like my husband said, it was gonna, <laughs> gonna be like, what am I doing? He prefers Facebook. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, I, uh, and then I thought, like, no, like, I, you know, like, you just can't, I didn't want him to win. Um, yeah. Not like, my husband, but the, right, the right, right. <laughs> either of them. Yeah. And like, I wanted, you know, so like, I just, um, just committed to getting through the weekend and uh and kept posting and uh um i when i came back on and changed my settings um so you asked you know in terms of what made it safer um that like i really uh i think it would be great if marvel like typed up like a page like twitter guide Mm -hmm. um, that they email like freelancers um especially female ones, um, but really anybody, uh, in terms of just some kind of basic tips. Uh, I had just a wide open Twitter feed. um, So that when, like if somebody tagged me, it would show up in my feed. um, As opposed to like, they didn't have to follow me first. Right, 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 right. right. Anybody who like is just like talking out in the world at one another, if, if I'm tagged, it would show up. Right. Um, so that uh, was a, a big change that certainly, you know, has made just a lot less uh, noise. Um, uh, and, and like I kind of, I, I learned about, you know, muting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I kind of like developed some engagement rules for myself. 
uh, in terms of like when not to engage, when to engage. Um, uh, I think that people, you know, people who are trolling, um, there's not, there's no room for discussion, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then there are people who, who are maybe like trying to say, like trying to inquire about um, something problematic, or you know, they want to have a conversation. Yeah. Um, if they're a little mad, like they're they're reaching out, wanting to have a conversation. Um, and I'm also like the, the most powerful thing I have learned is to walk away. Yeah. Um, just to, to just to just get up and walk away, and I will. Like if if like there's a lot of activity, like I just will walk away. Mm-hmm. And and not even see a lot of it. Just I don't need to it. read. Yeah. I don't need to read every tweet. Like yeah. I don't need to read that stuff. Um, and that's the thing that you know really saved me the last time um, mm-hmm. was like when it got out of control. Um, I took the dogs for a walk. Yeah. You know, yeah. I deleted the account. Um, and so I think that there are people who saw like way worse stuff <laughs> <laughs> than I ever did. it sounds though that you have i mean that's a much healthier approach to to something that was causing anxiety and and frustration and pain i mean it sounds like it's it's what you're doing now is a much better way to do it and that idea though of having marvel distribute like a pamphlet or or like a how-to guide or a online etiquette form for anybody who works for them exactly (laughs) But I mean that it seems such a no-brainer with everything that's been happening and everything that goes on. You, you know, your situation was not an isolated incident. You know, you're not the only person to have experienced this. Like, why haven't they done something like that? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not asking you to like give me the answer. I'm just saying rhetorically, like that. It seems like that's something that absolutely they should have to distribute to to their artists yeah, and writers. It certainly wouldn't hurt. There's no reason no. not to do it. And then maybe there is. Like I bet there's a lawyer. You know, yeah. at Marvel, who um, who who wonders if uh, that would be problematic? Because there must know. be a reason why they My... done it. But like, I sh- I should say like um, when I heard about the Eisner, um, and then yesterday um, when it was announced, like <clears throat> I was you know like so incredibly thrilled and amazed mm-hmm. and delighted and also a little terrified. Um, especially yes, like yesterday, because you know, like people, like it, it hit, and like all of these, like I started getting all of these, like um, congratulations, and uh, you know, just really like sweet acknowledgments, and even even as they were flooding in, I was like, waiting, you know, oh no, yeah. like it's like it's gonna turn ugly, you yeah. know, like, it, yeah. and I still think there is a, probably a good chance that this whole thing, like in the next couple of days could get really out of hand um and that i will have to like walk away again um uh because um you know it's like the you know the eye of soren it's just yeah. like it lands on you if you get like i i don't i get uncomfortable now with attention on the internet um yeah. because they can just kind of take you out you know at any point if they want to um and as i've seen people i'm discussing whether i um, uh, deserved to be nominated. Um, and then, uh, you know, it starts this conversation about the whole other thing. Um, and that, you know, goes ugly places pretty quickly. Yeah. 
Yeah. Fingers crossed that it it's not going to happen again. I you know I, I gotta believe in there are good people out there who outweigh the bad. So uh, uh, they are. Like, they, there are. They're just so not we, as vocal sometimes, which is frustrating. <laughs> I will tell you, like uh, people have been remarkably nice yeah. on like, on my Twitter feed. I feel like it's, <laughs> it's really like it's sweet. Like people are like just unfailingly yeah supportive and. That's good. Um, yeah, it's it it really it is. It yeah. is. I think they're really worried about me. <laughs> <laughs> um well, shifting topic, um but kind of so a few months ago you wrote a blog post about things that scare you. Um and uh you wrote a very long personal story about how you tried to face your fear with snakes. Um I loved it. It was a great story, but I wanted to ask you about the other thing that scares you. Butter. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with butter? Oh my god! You really want to know? Like, um, it, if you're comfortable with sharing, then yes. Because <laughs> I've never heard of anybody who's scared of butter before. We will only like, reaffirm uh, opinions of people who think I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm putting you on the spot. I recognize that. So if you'd rather, you know, plead the fifth, that's no. fine. But <laughs> no, it's fine. like it's probably it's good to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I yeah, like I have I, you know like a butter like. Fear, like phobia, maybe a butter phobia is a better word. It's, it's <laughs> rational. Um, I I don't eat butter. I don't like it. Um, like I I don't eat anything with butter in it. Okay. Right. So like you know That's... cookies with butter or cake oh. or like pastries, uh, anything with with butter. Okay. Do, do not eat. Um, uh, and I don't I don't even like to have butter on the table. <laughs> I really, like, if, if it's going to be around me, it, I want it to be covered. Like, and I can handle it, but, uh, like, I, I don't like it. Like, it. I don't like, I don't like to see butter. I don't like it. Like, especially if it's kind of like room temperature. And it's oh, like, and like, I, I don't blame you there. But is it, uh, is, is it the taste? Is it the texture? Is it, it did you, did you just have a really bad experience once? I had a bad experience with butter. Uh-huh. Um, when I was five, uh, I had this, I had two best friends, Terry and Heather. And um, we went to the same um, clothing optional uh, daycare. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, um, Terry always brought uh, English muffin with um, a butter, like a toasted English muffin with butter on it. Like, mm-hmm. And that was like her breakfast. And she always like arrived with that. And so um, uh, Heather and I also brought um, English muffin toast with, with butter on it. Um, as our breakfast, and we were like the the um, English muffin toast with butter club, right? Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, that was our thing that we shared, and we did it every morning. Uh, and then um, uh, Terry was hit by a car mm. and killed. Um, not in front of me. It happened at home. It was like the classic, like, ball went into the street, she went to get it. Oh, no. uh, she was hit and killed, and the, the driver didn't stop um and uh they they told me about this and um like i didn't want the toast with butter anymore um because it it reminded me um of terry in a way that like you know like as a little kid like it was such a strong association and it didn't have to make sense but to me somehow 
it was very like I couldn't have that ever sure, again. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. And and uh, perhaps I was overindulged by my my mom in the sense that like it just grew from there where I was just like I just didn't want butter hmm. and uh, and I I like so like I haven't I haven't had it since then. Wow. <laughs> I told you, like it's it's a sad story. Like really, we didn't talk about it. No, well, very... <laughs> well, thank I, you for sharing that. Yeah, thank but... you. For, I mean, it's it, it is a sad story. I mean, it makes sense when you tell it, it, but it's one of those things that you know, like I I had to ask because I was, I've never heard of anybody who had a butter phobia before. I know people who don't like it, but I've never <laughs> heard anybody who felt like I can't even talk about it. It's just one of my fears, mm-hmm. but it totally makes sense. So thank you for sharing. Um, I'm sorry if it made you feel uncomfortable, but <laughs> no, it makes I feel better. Okay, good, good. Then I'm glad. <laughs> um, let's let's try to do something happier. Let's let's let's, let's talk about a happier subject. Um, what's your writing regimen like every day? Like, do you have a daily routine that you stick to, or is it just whenever the mood strikes you, you write? Um, no, like I write every day. Yeah. Um, like you know, I have an office um, on the third floor. Um, and I, yeah, come up here and treat it like an office. Like once Eliza goes to school, um, I come up here and, and spend the day working. Um, cause like I have, uh, I write thrillers, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm under contract to deliver those. Um, so, you know, like I have to stay on schedule and I've taken you know, a couple of years between thrillers just to kind of like give myself a little more breathing room. Um, and now, like, I need to finish. I need to finish the book that they're waiting for. Uh, so, like, I yeah, definitely sit up here and work. Um, one of the fun things about comics is that it is a break from that, yeah. right? It's just it's a kind of mental distraction to be able to like tell a different story in my head. Sure. I also have to imagine that it's different. I don't. I don't know how much overlap you see between the two. Like your, your fan, the fans of your thrillers versus the fans, the fans of Mockingbird. Um, but they seem to be very different types of audiences. You know, like comic fans, and and, they, and they've earned this reputation. But many, they're outspoken. They know what they like. They they feel very entitled, and they're gonna let you know that you didn't come through for them. You know, <laughs> like you've let me down. You didn't do right by my favorite character. But it feels like you know, fans of like mysteries or thrillers or, or, you know, whatever other genre, they don't, they don't get like that. You know, they, they don't personally attack their author, authors of books that they read. Like why? Like what's, what's the difference there? I've given this some thought. I'm sure you have. <laughs> You're in a unique position. <laughs> and I, you know, like, you know, obviously like comics fans have a, like feel an ownership, right. Yeah. Um, of the characters because the characters exist you know, in this kind of, in this like larger narrative, obviously that, um, you know, when you talk about existing characters that uh, has this whole history and lots of people come and go. um, uh, And they really like, if if some writer comes in and makes a choice that they they disagree with, like it feels like this attack right on the character. Like Mm -hmm. they are, you know, just kind of screwing with this character and people want to stand up for that character. Um, uh, And, you know, like with, with books, um, I think when we read a book that we don't like, um, we don't think like to let the writer know, you know, mm-hmm. like we, we just think like, Oh, that was a bad choice buying that book. 
Yeah. You know, like, I think there's more like it, it, there's a sense of like personal responsibility for the transaction. Like, well, the, you know, like the flap looked like it would be something better. Right. <laughs> oh, well, like you don't get on Twitter and like warn people <laughs> to get that book. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think because comics, because people feel like, um, you know, if they're a Spider-Man fan, they're going to get the Spider-Man comics. And then they feel like they've gotten the Spider-Man comics, but this person is just fucking up Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, that uh, it that just feels much more personal to them. Yeah. Um, huh. But yeah, it is it is really it is interesting. Like I think uh, my thriller fans, um, they get they get anxious when um, about the next book. You know, like they want the next book. Right. That that is the thing that um, you know creates anxiety for them. Um, it's just you know wanting you know like more. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, I was amazed, like, there is a tiny bit of crossover in a way that I didn't expect at all, um, yeah. but that I really love. Like, I remember that first, uh, when I did the Mockingbird one-shot, right, which mm-hmm. is, like, very my very first comic for the for the 50th Shield, the Shield 50th anniversary, and um, uh, I went to a comic book store to sign it, and, like, the, you know, just, just, like, one, like, the stack of this one issue of comics that I've ever done. Um, so, like, no, you know, like, the people who came were my thriller fans. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they came with their books, you know, to get signed, their right. thrillers. Um, but they bought comics, so they were polite. Um, and then there was this one, like, 19-year-old kid who, um, like, was sort of hanging back, kind of nervous. And uh, he was, you know, like, uh, clutching this this issue that I had just written of Mockingbird. And he came up to me and he said, oh, he said, I'm just so honored to meet you. You're my favorite writer. Wow. And I was like, that, like, wow, that is so, that's so great. And like, I see you have the Mockingbird comic and thank you for coming. And he said, uh, he said, do you write anything else besides comics? (laughs) Wow. So based on the one issue, he was, you were his favorite writer. Oh, it just harmed me so much. I think about that guy. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, totally shifting gears. What is it about Portland? (laughs) Like what? (laughs) I could probably just end the question. Yeah. Well, (laughs) what's up with Portland? Um, like what, why is it such a, a great artistic melting pot now? Um, Mm. I don't like it so is um I think just the the, the community um yeah. uh is so it looks amazing the creative community is really supportive and you know like I'm part of several of those kind of overlapping communities okay. the comics and novelists and musician communities um and uh people are just you know, really supportive of one another um like you know Bendis throws a dinner what he calls he and elisa call it family dinner mm-hmm. um it's like sometimes it's once a week it's usually like once a month um and they uh they have it catered like you know all this food brought in uh and they invite like all these people like in the comics community um to come and eat you know not everybody but a yeah. ton of people who um frankly make a lot less money than bendis does you yeah. know like yeah. coloring and inking comics and like uh and they, they get this meal you know, like this regular feeds <laughs> off of these people. <laughs> and like, that's how we got to know the yeah. menaces, Matt and Kelly Sue, or, you know, like 
took us to, to this dinner and then we just started getting invited, you know, yeah. <laughs> after that. <laughs> who's going to say no to a big catered dinner, you know? I know. Right. Like, Full I, of comic people. I need to bring up like, why, you know, like, do you know we're on this list? <laughs> <laughs> Comic professional outreach program. (laughs) But we got to know, you know, a lot of of people that way. You know, a lot of people in the in the comics world. And then, of course, you know, it's sixty people who work in comics who um, just talk about comics. That was like something um, like starting to hang out with comics people. uh, It was uh, it's amazing. I've never known people in an industry who like don't talk about anything else. Yeah. <laughs> but the industry, they just love talking about comics. Like everything about comics. Yeah. That's fascinating. I know I, one of the other uh geek dads who writes for the same website he lives out there in Portland. He's always talking about it too. He's just it's this this great um it's just this great community like you were talking about that it's it's everybody's really tight and it doesn't really matter. There's no hierarchy it seems, you know, that like if you're if you're a, a writer, you're one of the group, you know, you're one of the gang, or if you're a musician, you're part of the group and it doesn't really matter. Um, success levels, financial levels, it doesn't quite matter as much as it might in some place like New York or something like that. Yeah, you know? I think that's true. I think that, um, if you're just doing the thing, you know, yeah. like if you're, if you're like making the art, telling the story, um, uh, there's a community for you and it is, um, like they will feed you. <laughs> <laughs> They will give you shots, you know. They will, they will, they they help each other up. Yeah. Um, and I think that is is different than in a lot of creative communities in other cities. Um, yeah. Uh, like people really help each other out here. Yeah, that's amazing. No, it's good to hear. It's good to hear that places like that still exist. Quite honestly. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like it's really important to. Like, it's hard to afford the rent here. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's got to be some good perks, right? Yeah. Um, we, I know, have taken up way more than your time, more than, more of your time than, than we thought. Um, I'm going to let you go. I wanted to have you tell a story, but I'm not going to make you stay on to tell the story. But last question is, if you weren't a writer, uh, what would you be doing? Oh, I would be a surgeon. Really? Oh. Yeah. Or a metal detector. <laughs> <laughs> a metal detectorist. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a bit of overlap. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Chelsea, thank you so much for your time. This has just been such a pleasure. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. It's not just with her, but Twitter has been... I've I've heard that there's brands abandoning their Twitter accounts, and it's a place where people are having to leave because of... Uh, like what what Chelsea Kane went through, and it's it's crazy what Twitter's become. Because when I first started Twitter, and I, I'm sure you you as well, it was a really it was hyper local for me. Like everyone in our city was all on Twitter, and it's how we communicated, and it was crazy. Like we could talk about local things, and you know what I mean. And like yeah. the tech industry here, and we had tweet ups and stuff like that. And then it's kind of evolved since then, and it's not really the same way anymore. And it's become a place where there's hate spewed. And people can just tweet anything, and and yeah, it's sad that people just think that they can say what they want to say because it's you know behind a screen. Or I think what the thing with Twitter is that it's you know it's anonymous, it's fast, it's you know everybody can find 
somebody on the internet to agree with him. And here's, you know, this collection of people who just kind of glom together and something that should be, you know, a flash in the pan or marginalized even, um, it just blows up. Right. I, I came to Twitter relatively late. Um, I've only been on it for like three years, maybe. So like I, when I, like Twitter was already a huge thing when I joined, you know, it right. wasn't like I didn't come in the infancy when people were still testing out the waters like, oh, what is this weird mm-hmm. the new thing? And I admit for the longest time, I didn't get it. You know, I was like, well, it's just like 140 characters. Like, what can you say with that? Or like it's, it didn't you know, it seemed so fleeting, you know, like, well, you look at your if you follow more than a couple hundred people, how can you even keep up with what anybody right. is saying? And it took me a long time to sort of embrace that part of it, you know, that it is. Mm-hmm kind of ephemeral and it is meant to be a little bit fleeting um and it is a play it was a place to just sort of you know depending on how you used it it could have been a place just like to drop funny one-liners and just you know make people yeah. laugh or to, to post a cat picture or you know to make a, a a brief little statement um and one of the biggest complaints i've heard about twitter aside from you know leaving aside all of the abuse issues and the the hate speech and all of that right is that it's so hard to engage with people anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so many people just use it as a as their own personal soapbox, whether they're just um, writing a twenty tweet long screed about you know politics or whatever they're they're passionate about, or they just drop a link to a blog post or something that they want to promote. You know, and it's so hard to act so hard to actually have conversations with people. I mean, friends do friends will have back and forths, but it's hard to find organic conversation with somebody new on Twitter. Whereas I guess Facebook, right. you can still do that. Well, my, my Twitter now is mostly mom bloggers promoting frozen dinners. So I don't know. <laughs> well, that's, that's your problem. That's because you followed all of them. I see that a lot of that too. And I follow a lot of people in the, co- in you know, comic book industry so like a lot of authors and artists and they all have very healthy conversations going among themselves you know they'll have they'll talk to one another but in terms of like interacting with fans or just regular Mm -hmm. people i see a lot less of that than even i did a couple years ago and i think it's largely in part because of something that like you know the experience that chelsea went through is that it's it could so easily go from hey dude i like your work to you are the worst thing to ever happen to humanity i hope you die you know and people don't Mm -hmm. there is no filter people will more than happily tweet a bad review or a terrible you know you know i hated this book and they're gonna tag the author on it why would you do that you know, it's okay for you to not like a book or to not like a movie, but why are you going to tag the person who created it? How is that yeah. helpful? You know, I think I think people don't see them as real people, and it's no. hard to see that a real human is going. Even like how accessible celebrities are now, you can tag a celebrity, and you think, oh yeah, they'll never read it, and then they actually read it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a friend who recently decided he's going to start taking back all of the social media feeds because when he first started blogging he kind of you just felt you play the game right you go and you follow everyone because you're just new to the thing and you want to just follow everybody and then all of a sudden your twitter feed just gets taken over or even someone new on twitter will do it you'll follow people it just gets taken over by stuff you don't want to see so he's actually gone through and he's unfollowed anything that he doesn't want to read about like so now he just has his interests and friends that he talks to on it and it's really changed everything for him so i'm really considering doing it because my twitter is just 
Yeah. I've done that. It's gone. And one account that you definitely should follow and not unfollow is nice the GPB podcast. Nice segue. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one that you'll always have awesomeness from, always. <laughs> and if you can follow us on there. And we're on Facebook, too, at the GBB podcast. Just facebook.com slash the GBB podcast. And I'm also on it at 140 Justin C. And Jamie's on it, too, at... I. I am I am there at the Roarbots. And Anthony. And I'm on Twitter at Sunstreaker84. I'm also on Instagram at Sunstreaker84. I don't know if I mentioned that last time. I remember that from last time. Sunstreaker84. <laughs> Love it. All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming back every week. If you don't subscribe, make sure you hit the button and find us every single week. We have awesome interviews. We'll see you next time. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.